welcome to Good Girls Talk About Sex. I'm sexual communication coach Leah Carey, and this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. In today's episode, we'll meet Amy, a 37-year-old cisgender woman who describes herself as white, straight, and married. Although Amy considers herself monogamous, she has recently begun an affair with another man that her husband does not know about. We'll talk about this extensively in the second half of the episode. This is a challenging subject, but it's also real. There are so few places to learn about healthy relationships and healthy sexuality that many people are struggling in unhappy marriages and looking for affirmation and connection outside of their primary bond. I'm not condoning cheating or violating relationship agreements, but I hope that you can listen to this conversation with an open heart and hear the pain and distress Amy is experiencing that has led her to this point. Before we begin, I also have two logistical notes about this episode. First, we had a ton of technical difficulties during this recording. You'll hear audio levels changing, dogs barking, and more. But this conversation is important, so I decided to air it even though the audio is iffy at times. Second, this conversation is so raw and exposed that it didn't feel right to tack on a lighthearted quick five segment at the end. But as always, you can find the full Q&A over at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. So let's all take a deep breath and welcome Amy. Welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, it's always really thrilling for me when someone is a listener of the show and they contact me and say, I'd like to be interviewed. So thank you for doing that. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. It's my pleasure. So let's start back at the beginning. What is your first memory of sexual pleasure? Um, I actually remember as a young child, I think sometime in kindergarten, I don't remember exactly my age. I had a friend, a girl who invited me over to her house and she actually wanted to play like husband and wife. Mm -hmm. And she had me get on the bed and she got on top of me Mm -hmm. and kind of almost did like a sexual type position. And so that was my very first sexual experience, even though it wasn't necessarily sex, mm-hmm. but um, it got me kind of interested in touching myself and feeling that. 
And so that was a fun experience for you, it sounds like. It was confusing for me, but it kind of got me interested in, like I said, almost feeling that experience on my own Mm. from what I can remember. Yeah. Was it something that you did more than once or frequently with this little girl? No, she lived far away from me. And so it was like a special experience to get to go to her house. Mm -hmm. And I only remember it happening one time. But um, after that is when I kind of experienced my first masturbation type experience. And what was that like for you? I liked it a lot. I, (laughs) (laughs) I remember, I remember I would be playing and then I would, you know, go to my bedroom and hide under the blanket and, and I would do that. I, multiple times a day. Uh-huh. And you say you hid under the blanket. Did you have an understanding at that point that this was something that you didn't want others to know about? Yes. Um, I was a latchkey kid growing up. And so in the afternoons, it was just me and my brother. And so, um, yeah, I would, I remember one time I went into my bedroom. I said, I didn't feel well. I hid under my blanket. And I did my thing and my brother came in to check on me and I, I did, I felt ashamed mm. and I was like, okay, I'm ready to play now. He's like, well, I thought you were sick. Why, why are you all of a sudden? Okay. So mm. yeah, definitely ashamed mm. for sure. That's such a confusing thing. I think for so many of us that this thing that brings us pleasure is also something that we sort of inherently know we're supposed to be ashamed of how did that sit for you? Like, did it cause you any discomfort with actually doing the masturbation? Yeah, I, I was uncomfortable in doing it. I would hide to do it either in my closet or again under my bed. And then I, afterwards, I, I remember kind of feeling ashamed as to, you know, why I would go away to do it and then come back. So yeah, there was definitely a little bit of confusion along with the shame for sure. Yeah. So at what point did you start to think that you might want to bring other people into this experience with you? (sighs) Gosh. Um, I kind of forgot about it for a while. Um, I was growing up when I actually went to school, kind of a, a big loner. And I, I was, friends with boys and if any tried to show attention to me I kind of got too shy or scared and and blew it off mm-hmm. and um and so I I didn't have a boyfriend until after I left high school I was I was I think 19 or 20 years old mm-hmm. I mean I thought about it and I, I I really have quite a bad memory and um I, I probably uh, masturbated sometime after I got out of high school, but my first sexual experience was was horrible. Oh, it was really horrible. Yeah, I'm so sorry to hear that. It's okay. It was just a a a, a bad guy. Yeah, honestly, he was just not a a nice person. How old were you? I was about twenty, mm-hmm. and um. 
he showed interest to me. Uh, I w- went to a Walmart and um, he kind of honked at, at me and a friend as we were walking in. And then he came and found us in the store and he gave me his phone number. And so I called him and I was basically like uh, a booty call for him. I called him one night and we went out in a very secluded desert type area and I told him I was a virgin. I had never had sex before. And um, we were messing around on the hood of my car because he didn't have a car. And I remember very little about the experience, but he was on top of me on the hood of the car. Something happened and then he was done. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't remember feeling anything. Mm-hmm. And he he afterwards told me that I wasn't a virgin because I didn't feel like a virgin. Oh God, Amy, I'm so sorry. Yeah. That had to have been incredibly painful. It it was shocking. I didn't know what to think, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Had you gone into that encounter thinking that you might want to have sex or prepared to have intercourse? I wanted to, I don't, I don't think I was prepared at all, but the friends around me seemed to be doing it. And so I just thought, since this boy is showing interest in me, he, he must like me. And so I did it. I kept seeing him. I, I didn't have very good self-esteem at that time. I didn't have a whole bunch of guys um wanting my attention i had moved out of my house at 18 i felt like i was an adult and he was the first person to show attention to me so you know i just kind of almost ignored it mm. i kept seeing him he kept calling me late at night wanting to see me and you know i would go to wherever he was at and we would have sex and then I would go home. Was there ever any point at which you began to feel pleasure or was it no. always about his? It was always about his. I never, I never remember feeling pleasure from his sexual experiences at, at all. So you just kept going back because he was paying attention right. not because you were getting something out of it. Right. Yeah. Did he, was he your first kiss? Um, first real kiss, yes. Wow. So you yeah. really experienced a lot of firsts with him. Yeah. Without getting much in return. Right. How did you end things with him? How did it come to an end? So he called me one night. He wanted to see me come over and he came over to my apartment and he was extremely drunk, extremely drunk. And, um, he had sex with me and then he, he had this kind of fetish where he liked to insert different objects in me. Mm -hmm. And so he would do like, um, a banana. He did a bottle one time and I let him do it because I didn't know what I was experiencing. Mm -hmm. And, I didn't enjoy it, but I didn't say no. 
and he fell asleep and he woke up urinating in my bed and on me Mm. because he was so drunk. Mm -hmm. And, um, I got him up, I got him to the bathroom and he, I think he slept the rest of the night in the bathroom. And then the next morning when he got up, I told him he had to clean my sheets because he had urinated all over the place and he kind of ignored it and he left. He took a cab home. And after that, I felt really unwanted, honestly, unrespected, everything. And so I, I stopped answering his calls after that. Did that leave you feeling like you wanted to find someone else? Or was that whole experience so difficult that, I mean, you would have certainly been rightful in saying, I don't want to do that again. Yeah. And I, I didn't for a while. I didn't. Um, I was kind of put off, obviously, by that whole experience. And so, yeah, it was a while before I I started looking. And I, I, I didn't have a very extensive social life either. So it, it wasn't easy to, to just find somebody new. Mm-hmm. So how did you eventually start dating or seeing someone else? One of my um, friends from school I got back in contact with, and she's very social and she has a lot of friends. And again, you know, people started showing interest in me. And so I was basically, if you, at that point, if you show interest with me, I'll, I'll kind of be in a relationship with you. Yeah. And then um, it got kind of excessive where I had a hard time saying no. And so I was in a relationship, a a very short-term relationship with somebody who seemed to really like me, but he, I didn't have very much in common with him. Mm -hmm. And so at the same time, somebody else started showing interest with me and I had more physical attraction to him and uh, we had much more in common. And so I broke it off with the first guy and started seeing the second guy. And I was with him in a relationship for about two years. Mm -hmm. And did he treat you well? He did at first. Yeah. And then with the kind of, he, he grew up in a physically abusive relationship with his father and he towards the end started getting angry and he would punch walls and try and hurt himself to make me feel guilty and stay with him. And yeah, it wasn't good. And he was a couple years younger than I was. So I think he had a hard time with that as well. Were you experiencing sexual pleasure with him? I think I was. It's, I, I don't know what, has happened to me, but I honestly, I can't remember any sexual pleasure with anybody before my current husband. I, I, I honestly, I can't remember one sexual experience with him and I was with him for two years. I'm curious about what you are hearing in your childhood home about sex and sexuality and also about your body and your rights to your own body because it sounds like you didn't have a whole lot of boundaries um so sex growing up my parents didn't talk to me at all 
Um, we had the sexual education classes in fourth and fifth grade that were very bland, basically just talking about our periods Mm -hmm. and showing us pictures of what we look like and what boys look like. And that was about it. It, My, my parents never, never talked to me about sex or sexual, sexual boundaries Um, My mother even never talked to me about what to expect when I had my period. I remember when I did start my period in middle school, I was very embarrassed to talk to my mother about it. And I knew where she kept her like tampons and maxi pads. And when I started my period, I kind of snuck into her bathroom and I stole some pads and I started using them. And like the next day I went up to her kind of, very almost scared and nonchalantly said, you know, I started my period and she's like, do you know where the stuff is? And I said, yes. And she's like, okay. Wow. And, um, my parents did not have an excessively physical to us relationship. Looking back now, I remember as a child, occasionally on Sundays, their bedroom door would be locked Mm -hmm. and they would be in their you know, for an hour or two. And I feel bad now knowing what they were probably trying to do. And me and my brother and my younger sister would be knocking at the door. (laughs) We'd be fighting and screaming that we needed something or they were bothering us or whatever. And we would get no response. Uh And so um, it was very hidden. It was never said to you, like, we're going to have some private time. Please don't disturb us. Like, no, they just there was no went communication. in the room yeah, and locked the door. <laughs> so we're like, okay. Right. <laughs> so did anyone ever, whether it was a teacher or a trusted adult, ever give you any sense that you were allowed to have some say over what happened to your body? Absolutely none. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Listening to your podcast, it's very unfortunate what we were not taught. Yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. So um, you mentioned that you, the first time you ever had sexual pleasure was with your current husband. So can you talk a little bit about what that experience was like for you? Like, how did it feel to finally feel something? Uh, It felt really good. It's really hard to, to explain my, my sexual relationships with men, my first real boyfriend, my, I had a long-term relationship with my son's father and my current husband, all of them grew up with some sort of abuse as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, my first boyfriend was physically abused by his father. My uh, long-term relationship with my son's father was sexually abused by um, somebody that his father had brought into the home to clean the house. And my current husband was physically and sexually abused by his father and mother who was forced to be sexually abusive with him. Mm. 
And so um, all of these relationships have been just very difficult to understand for me. My long-term relationship with my son's father, he had drug and alcohol issues and he was very lazy and he was very touchy feely. And all I remember about sex with him was he would want to feel my body. And when he would orgasm, his feet would shake like excessively. And, and that kind of turned me off. But when I started having sex with my current husband, I wasn't, I, I have a hard time waiting to have sex. I feel like it's something I have to do to kind of start a relationship almost. Mm -hmm. And so I let it happen almost too soon. And, but it felt amazing. I remember the very first time we had sex um, and it just seemed so exciting and the whole experience felt good. And even now when I have sex with him, it, it feels good. I don't always have an orgasm, but the feeling is, is still, it's a, it's a good experience. I, I don't know how to verbally explain it. Um, and, and the odd thing about that is, is my current husband does have erectile dysfunction. Mm -hmm. And so he does have a hard time keeping an erection for, we've been together, um, nine years mm -hmm. and he's always had an issue are you aching to explore new vistas of your sexuality do you hear me talk about concepts on this show and think it makes sense but i need help applying it to my particular situation that's where personalized sex and intimacy coaching comes in when you work with me, I promise to help you feel safe exploring your sexuality. Together, we'll look at your needs and desires without judgment and help you figure out how to fulfill them. There is no single answer that's right for everyone, so I'm going to help you discover what's right for you. And we'll go at your pace. That's the pace that respects your emotional needs, your boundaries, and your nervous system. Because going too fast can send you into shutdown, while going too slow can be infuriating and exhausting. The goal is to find what's right for you. I work with clients who are motivated to explore many different areas of sexuality, including things like expressing your sexual desires to current or future partners, exploring if you might be queer, challenging body image insecurity in sexual relationships, dipping your toes into BDSM, exploring consensual non-monogamy, learning to date after a long time out of the dating pool, exploring your sexuality for later in life virgins, and so much more. I want you to have a deeply fulfilling, intimate life, and together, we can help you get there. For more information and to schedule your discovery call, visit leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. That's leahcarry.com forward slash coaching.
if penis and vagina penetration is not always a possibility, what do you do in lieu of that? Uh, he's very good at giving me oral sex. Mm-hmm. He's he's never um, not been off about doing that. He doesn't always like to do it after he has come inside me, but he is still willing to um, perform that if he thinks that I'm not satisfied. And how is your communication with him around sex? Do you talk about it or do you just do it? We, we've kind of just done it. Just recently, I've tried to be more communicative with him about trying new things, um, trying sex toys, things like that. And I tried to get him to talk to me about it and he always has seemed to want to talk about it in the past, but for for some weird reason, he has a hard time talking in depth about it. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I want him to tell me what I can do to help please him more when I'm, I'm trying to be more communicative about what he can do to try and please me more. Mm-hmm. It's hard because we're not taught how to communicate. We're not even taught that we're allowed to communicate about sex, let alone how to communicate about sex, which is exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing, because I think it's such a a massive lacking and failure um, in in our sex ed system and in our sort of culture at large. If you were able to say to him anything that you wanted to say and knew that he would hear it and respond to it well, what would you say to him? Well, I did finally talk to him about, and I've done it before, but I finally got him to go to a doctor to get medication for his erectile dysfunction. Because one of the main things that when during intercourse, I have to give him oral sex in order for him to get hard. Mm-hmm. He can't get hard any other way. And so I'll do that and we'll start having intercourse and he'll get a leg cramp or he'll get tired and then his erection will go down. And then we have to start all over again or he gets frustrated or angry. Um, and then that makes me feel uncomfortable and frustrated or we have to do it for an extended period of time because he can't come to orgasm and I start getting tired Mm -hmm. or painful in my vaginal area. And, um, I finally got him to go to a doctor and get on Viagra to try and help that, which Mm -hmm. it has. And so that is one thing that I have talked to him about, in order to try and improve our sex life. I'm struck by the fact that it sounds like your entire sex life as a couple is focused on his penis. <laughs> it's like you it's it's these 6 inches of his body that is the entire focus of two people's sexual life. Mm-hmm. Um, when there's all of this other real estate on both of your bodies 
that could come into play and create pleasure and be a source of connection um, that it sounds like just isn't really being explored or in play. It's, and I know that I'm only hearing a small bit of the story, but it sounds very much like your mouth and your vagina are there in service to his penis. Yeah. A lot of the time it is for sure. Is that okay with you? No, it's not. It's not okay. Um, it's very frustrating. So what is your current sex life like? Um, <laughs> I was actually on the, on the boundary of divorce with him. We had gone two years without having any sex at all, no touching, very little communication. And I was listening to a lot of podcasts, your podcasts about sex and learning more about our bodies, a lot, some marriage podcasts about their relationships, you know, not being perfect, but if you communicated and opened up, you know, it could change your life and change your marriage and, um, things like that. And I, he went to Las Vegas for a few days and he asked me to go and I didn't want to go. And, I kind of made the decision that either we're going to divorce or I need to start changing things. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, there's a history there of he would watch porn or look at porn on his phone. And that's not something that I was comfortable with. He would send emails that I was not comfortable with. Um, he lied to me. Um, and so there was a lot of hurt there that I was not comfortable with him doing. And I finally just said, I need to either get over it and discuss it with him, or we need to split up because it was, it was horrible. I had a conversation with him about this and the things that he did to hurt me and told him that I wanted to try and work things out. I started to masturbate and try and feel more comfortable in my own skin before then taking a provocative picture of myself naked on a bed. Uh And I sent it to him one night while he was working overnight and got him excited. And that's when we started to reconnect sexually. How long ago was that? Um, it was about two months ago. And how has that been developing for you? Um, it's been pretty good. Um, it was really good at the beginning, very exciting. And then, um, you know, his erectile dysfunction started popping back up again and becoming more frustrated. And that's when I got him to go back to the doctor, um, and get on medication, which has been helpful. But in that same amount of time is when I started getting texts from a previous coworker that I used to work with. Mm -hmm. And our relationship has popped up in that. Friends, if you love these conversations, I would love your help to keep them going. There are three ways you can participate. Two are free, 
and one is for listeners who've got a few extra dollars each month. Number one, take a screenshot of this episode right now and post it to your Instagram stories. Tag me in your post, and if it's public, I'll reshare and send you a personal thank you. Word of mouth is the best way to build buzz for an independent show like Good Girls Talk About Sex. And the more people listening, the healthier our collective sexual experiences will become. Number two, don't want the whole world to know you're listening to a show about sex? I get it. Perhaps you heard something in this episode that reminds you of a past conversation with a friend or something you wish your partner knew. Send them a link to this episode and a quick message about why you think they should listen. And number three, if you have the resources to support the sex positive work I do, I'd be grateful for your support at Patreon. Donating the equivalent of a fancy cup of coffee each month might not make a big difference to you, but it makes a huge difference to me. There's absolutely no contract or obligation. You can cancel at any time. Plus, I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are currently being legislated out of existence. It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. And one more thing, there is a treasure trove of additional audio at Patreon that's free to everyone. You don't even need to have a Patreon account to access them. Just go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex to start listening. I appreciate every one of you, whether you're a client, a patron, a social media follower, or a silent listener. I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. Now, let's get back to the show. So this is a male person? It's a male person. Yes. And when you say a relationship, what does that mean? It started out as just talking, texting back and forth. When we talk, we have a lot of things to talk about and joke about and kid about. And um, we have had sexual sex back sex back and forth talking about sexual relationships and things like that. And, um, I haven't had sex with him, but we have chit chatted a lot about it and we have met a few times and we've kissed and held each other and talk about things, but he is married. Mm -hmm. He is also married. But um, his wife, who has a chronic illness, he hasn't had any sex with his wife for, he said, two years. And I, I asked him about that because he was coming on to me on the phone before we took it a bit further. I said, is your, is your wife okay with this? Do you guys have an open relationship? And he's like, yeah, we do. And as we got into it a little bit more, I found out that she has a chronic illness and they haven't been together for a while. And she is okay with him finding somebody to have a sexual relationship with. 
Mm-hmm. And he didn't want that person to be just anybody. He wanted it to be somebody that he had some sort of a connection with. Mm-hmm. And so going deeper into that, when um, he discussed with her about me and my situation, she was not comfortable with him being in a relationship with somebody who had children because I have two children and somebody who was married. He's not willing to leave his wife. He loves his wife. They are best friends. I don't want to put all of the baggage that I carry onto him, but I do care a lot about him. Mm-hmm. Where do you hope that this might be going? I have no idea. <laughs> it's a little heartbreaking because he is a very good man and he treats his wife very well and cares for her and helps her with her chronic illness. And I am very jealous of that. Mm. Um, I have chronic pain as well. And my husband has not been as caring or helpful as he has been with his wife in that. Um, And I have had to put a lot of that, aside in order to try and keep our marriage together because I already have a child with uh, another man, a, a broken home and having to deal with that. I don't want another broken home with another child. I just have a hard time dealing with my own marriage and my own husband because he, he requires a lot of special attention. If I don't hug him, my husband, every day, if I don't kiss him every day, if I don't ask him how his day is going, if I don't show him a certain amount of specific attention, he takes offense at it and thinks that something is wrong. Mm-hmm. And so it's <laughs> it's very hard to give him his special attention and to give my child, my, both my children, their special attention and try to give myself care for myself enough that finding somebody else who is willing to show me some special attention is nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was just about to ask you what you're getting from this man that you don't get from your husband, but it sounds like that's exactly the answer. Yeah. My, my husband and I, we really don't have a lot in common. I started the relationship excessively early. I jumped into it excessively early. I thought that he was going to be a different man than my previous relationship where he was lazy and into drugs and alcohol and he didn't help me with anything and it was very stressful and he was in and out of jobs all the time. I thought this man was going to be different and um, he's different. He's more stable, but he is, he is very selfish. He has very little self-control when it comes to things like money Um, he's, um, very sensitive. Our humor is different. And this other man that I have a relationship with, he makes me laugh. 
Ooh. He asked me how my day is. He asked me how my pain is. And um, I'm able to talk to him openly about things. And it's, it's a nice, refreshing part of my day. I want to just sort of put a pin in something that you're talking about that um, in a relationship where one of the partners has a chronic illness or something that that doesn't allow them to have a sexual relationship, it is not unusual for there to be an agreement between those partners that the that the partner who still has sexual function can go find that satisfaction somewhere else and still remain in a committed, loving relationship. That is something that's, that's kind of common. So you have heard of that before. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The challenge, it sounds like, is that she has some boundaries around the person that she's comfortable with him being with, and you don't fit inside those boundaries. And you are in a relationship where you're not uh, feeling comfortable about letting your partner know that this is happening. So it's like, it, it has this feeling of illicitness on both sides, but I, I would not want anyone to listen to this and be like, oh, that guy's a total asshole, because in fact, this is something that is not uncommon. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you hope will happen with your husband? I know you said that you don't want to um, have a, a second failed marriage, um, but what are you hoping will happen? What's, what is sort of the ideal? He, my husband has never harmed me, but he is a very angry man. He's a very angry man, and I have a small child to worry about. Mm-hmm. And he has a heart condition, and he's a heavy smoker, and he eats horribly. You know, um, I would just like for him to disappear. When we were going through our hard times, when we weren't really talking or doing anything, and he would still get angry at me for for whatever, and I would we would have arguments, and I would I would tell him to leave. I would ask him, please leave, and he never would. And so. I don't think that even if the other man, if my husband died, if the other man would take me in, it's not, it's not like that, but at least I wouldn't have to worry about hurting him or going through whatever may happen. If he finds out that I'm talking to somebody else, Mm -hmm. Um, because he is, he's also very possessive. If you could do anything that you wanted right now, what would you do? God, that's hard. I would, um, I would tell my husband to leave and he would do it without any complications. I wish for you to find peace. 
however that comes about. It sounds like you've had precious little of it in your life. Thank you. Yeah. I want to thank Amy again for letting us witness her in this stage of transition and really raw vulnerability. It's not easy to hear, and I'm sure it's not easy to live through, but it is real. It's real life, and I hope that somewhere, someone out there is listening and feeling a little less alone. So thank you, Amy. That's it for today. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. And remember, there's a treasure trove of audio extras available for free at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash goodgirls talk about sex. While listening to those extras is free, producing this show is not. If my work is meaningful to you, and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I will gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. I donate 10% of all Patreon proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are increasingly difficult to obtain. Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash goodgirlstalkaboutsex. Show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at goodgirlstalk for more sex positive content. If you have a question or comment about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco. Transcripts are produced by Jan Asiello. Before we go, I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are not broken. As your sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. Until next time, here's to your better sex life. <laughs>